uh, it's Wolfie and it's another episode of Chronic Relief and I'm very, very excited today because our guest is comedian and just all over boss bitch babe wifey chelsea skidmore hey do you like how i gave your the wifey the last yeah the, 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 the last term no i was excited to see what you had <laughs> i was like where am i and i'm like she's literally like the princess of the store whoa uh, well at least that's how i look at you literally your oh store your store royalty whoa. at least in my eyes and um I, uh, I've always just admired you from afar, and we have mutual friends, our friend Sarah Weinchank, who is a guest on the podcast last week. Bless our, bless our Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Uh, shout out to her. <laughs> shout out to her. She's our, our uh, psycho soul, soul sister, Ooh, our, our yes. new psycho soul sister. Um, at least that's, what, that's the club that we've, that we've, <laughs> I said that you, me, and her are now in. Um, yeah. We should, we should write a, a story about it. But anyways, I wanted to have you on because... I feel like Sarah kind of brought us a little bit into each other's lives more because um, Sarah was very open and uh, sharing that she recently went through her own. uh, She had a breakdown, basically, and she went to um, a facility and she had to get 5150 and it kind of brought Chelsea and I together. We were her friends and um, we both discovered that we kind of have our own um mental health history we've both been 51 <laughs> have you been 50 or were you 51 i wasn't 20'd? i wasn't 51 50 but it was um my parents took me to ucla psychiatric ward when yeah. i was 12 and then they like from vegas from i was living in vegas but i went to summer camp oh. and i got kicked out of summer camp because huh. i'm yeah <laughs> and i called my counselor a bitch and i'm sure like other things happened but yeah so then they took me um and took me to ucla yeah so and then that's where i was put on lithium and diagnosed bipolar at 12 are you still on medication for bipolar i'm currently medication free and i'm not anti-medication by any means i just i took a break for a while i just started were you off for a while i never was a medication person okay so this is amazing okay so (laughs) You were 51, 15? That was three years ago, four, three or four years ago. I think three years ago. I know this from, I think some of your standup, you are sober. Yeah, I'm sober. You don't drink. You don't. I don't do anything. Anything. But you do use CBD? Um, I am just starting to, um, infinite CBD is about to send me some stuff. Okay, cool. Um, so you're excited to to try that. that. And I do know that it's 99. I do know there's a 1% THC in their products, which like, I'm not even like, this is like the bad alcoholic in me. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to tell anyone. No, well, to be the science behind that, there's a reason behind it. They say that you need a little bit of THC to activate the CBD. You shouldn't be, you should not feel high. From 1%, right? Mm -hmm. How can that be possible? It's just so small, but it activates the CBD. So you might feel relaxed. That's what I want because I'm having problems with insomnia. So I really want that. Well, I will say my mom... Um, never will smoke weed in her life does not like does not want to be high and she uses cbd lotion to rub yeah. on her feet and that's what helps her sleep at night really i've tried that edibles. too i didn't know about that that could help you sleep oh yeah it helps me sleep too i'll on get your- you i use this brand called papa and barkley and they have this they have like a cbd a high in cbd or one that has like higher in thc but you rub it on your feet and i'm passed out Oh, I want to try that. Yeah, I'll get you some product or I'll, I'll send you a, bis- uh, a list of 
which ones that I would recommend you try. And I'll be curious to see how you like it. Yeah, I actually tried CBD for the first time with Sarah. We used to get um, this coffee that had CBD in it. Did you like it? It was incredible. It was I just loved it. Yeah. But the place closed down. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, you can get, you know, there's like tinct. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Like the they're sending me all and- of that. Good. So. I'll be curious to hear yeah, about your you CBD know. journey. <laughs> so, okay. So you three years ago mm-hmm. were saying you were 5150. Yeah. So you can say it louder. 5150. Can you? Yeah. Um, Which means by law, they take you to a psych ward. What led up to those that event? Okay. So I had been sober for three years. I was in a bad relationship and um, I just always like I'm very much like I live in denial with certain things with like the bad stuff, you know, just because I was kind of raised that way. So I was in this bad relationship with this guy that I would make a lot of excuses for. And I had a feeling that he was cheating on me. And um, like literally like I remember seeing his bed sheets were like covered in stains. Stop. I swear to God. And I was like, that's nothing. Like, I would tell my, you know what I mean? Right. And then um, eventually, like, there was, like, a really weird night where he was supposed to pick me up. He never picked me up. He stopped answering my text messages. And I just knew, you know what I mean, in my heart. And then when he called me, and, like, I kind of, like, I didn't sleep at all. I felt, like, crazy. And then he told me that uh, he cheated on me, and he rubbed it in my face. He was like, I came all over her stomach. Like... And it just, like, made me snap for some reason. And I think it was um, – it wasn't just really this as w- – it wasn't, like, exactly from that. It was also from um, years of being in bad relationships with guys. And it, everything just, like, floated to the surface. So I um, immediately drove to a liquor store and relapsed because I didn't know how to handle my feelings. And I just felt really, like, overwhelmed and um, just, you know – reacted and um relapsed and then I uh had pretty much like two weeks of like um partying and being crazy and I uh I went out I did coke for like 16 hours was coming down felt really horrible and I took 27 Xanaxes and quote unquote tried to kill myself my gosh and um 27 yeah that would kill any that could that could kill that would kill it even if you took well 20. combined with Al- like alcohol, alcohol and coke stop your heart yeah so i sent an email to the guy telling him like see you on the other side like something like really dramatic and thankfully he uh called 911 they were at my apartment like within 5 minutes and um of me sending that email like they hadn't even kicked in yet and um they like they came in and it was so funny like the cop when I answered the door, he was holding a gun at me because I th- I don't know. Like, I think he thought I was trying to, like, possibly lure him over to hurt him. I don't know. Why would he have a gun? You know, it was weird. Where was this in California? Yeah, my apartment that I live in now. It was the very, gun seems a little. Aggressive. I don't know why he did that, but whatever he told him, I, I, I don't know why he would have a gun. Right. Maybe he thought I had a gun. Right. Oh, yeah. So who knows? So, um. So anyways, they basically, uh, like put me on a gurney and like wheeled, like to take me to the hospital. And I don't remember anything else. Um, woke up the next day, um, you know, hooked up to machines and by law, and I guess I told them I was trying to kill myself and by law, if you, uh, try to hurt yourself or someone else, you have to be 5150 placed on a 72 hour psychiatric hold. 
and um, they sent me to Alhambra or Alhambra, however you Alhambra, uh, yeah, Alhambra yeah. Um, mental hospital, which is literally the worst one. And I have a story like that I sometimes do with Tell all us of about this. It. No, I meant like just like um, like on, on stage. stage, okay, and um, you know, so. I, well it was like ridiculous like I had my phone and they told me and I looked it up online and it literally had like one star Stop. which I just think is so funny and I was like it has one star I'm not going and they basically force you to go they like strap you to a gurney like your Britney Spears on meth <laughs> and <laughs> 2006 Britney <laughs> yeah and they took me there it was horrible but I got out in two days and I didn't have to do the full three. Oh, wow. because I like you had good behavior or whatever i slept the whole time i didn't talk to a single person and i never ate because the food was so disgusting i know sarah was saying she ate a mcrib and i'm like you don't even seem like a person who would ever consume something called the mcrib <laughs> you know? yeah i'm very picky actually that guy he who cheated on me he ended up bringing me pasta and cake and fries and i ate that eventually good. and that was it that was the last time you saw him no, he's a comic here. He's a big oh. regular. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. I have to see him all the time, but I don't care anymore. Okay. Because you obviously are in yeah. so a, now, another world of better places. Totally. And now I'll almost now have three years of sobriety. So yeah, it was three Congrats. years ago in, a, in in May. That's amazing. Coming back from that. So, so that, had you ever, you had, had you ever had like an experience? Like, like did you grow up with like depression or mental health? Like, did you struggle with that as an adolescent um i don't know I, first of all i love that you said adolescent i know that made me, i literally as it came out i was like wow i can't believe i just used that <laughs> like word. you like i just saw you in a lab coat i know i was kidding. like wait i'm like <laughs> wow I, I i'm honestly still proud about it <laughs> um by the way i didn't sleep well last night so if i'm a little disconnected and trying to find my words i'm sorry but your words um, are fine Thank you. So yeah, I did. I never had. I never was depressed. Okay. I've never like had depression. Um, I've tried to take antidepressants before, and they don't work with my body. Right. And like, I get really sick from them. Um. So I can't take them. Um. I. But the only thing I do and have struggled with is anxiety. Okay. Um. Which I've had my whole life. Your whole life. Yeah. And um. When I was drinking, getting fucked up, it was um. I didn't realize how much anxiety I had until I got sober, actually, because like I, I I have like really bad social anxiety. Right. And I used to be like literally like I hate to say the life of the party, but I was like really connected like in New York um, Is that where I was where you drinking. Were born, born and raised is New York. Yeah. And um, I was like a really big party girl and went out like every single night and like I knew everyone and like. I was very, very social, but when I got sober, like, it's funny, it's, like, here at the comedy store, like, you know, I I have my friends, but I'm not, like, going around talking to, like, all these people I never would have talked to. No, I definitely noticed, like, you keep to your group, your your people, your, you know, your husband, and Mm -hmm. then, like, your core group of people that you talk to. And I feel like people think I'm a bitch, but I'm really just like anxious and like uncomfortable. And it has nothing to do with anyone but me feeling totally. like not good enough and like things like that. And I was like teased a lot growing up and like girls were mean to me. So like they were all really mean because be they were sh- jealous. <laughs> so I'm very I'm I'm shy now in sobriety, but I just started taking this new anti-anxiety medication called Buse Bar. Okay. Um I've do you been love on- it? Well, I've been on it for like four days and I think it's helping me. 
Okay. Um, but then again, like I think it takes a couple of weeks really to work. And you weren't on it before? No, I've taken it. I used to take Xanax for like 10 years, but in sobriety, you can't take Xanax because it's just too good. Ugh. Man, I, I tried taking Xanax because I had a prescription for it, but I found it just it made me so irritable the next day. Oh, really? And like, I would just, yeah, I it, just didn't like the person I was coming off of it. And I also just how how well it worked. It kind of scared me. It's incredible. It works so well for me. That's like the number one pill that works like the best for me all around. I know. It just makes me like melt. But honestly, people are replacing Xana- CBD for Xanax. Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, You just have to find like what works for yeah. you. There's a lot of people who are coming off of, mm-hmm. you know, because it is such a heavy, heavy drug. So comedy, at what point did that... I've I've know that I've heard this mm-hmm. story I think or maybe I haven't but at one point did that come into your life? Um well I started with UCB um 8 years ago um and started doing improv um What and inspired that? I always wanted to do stand up actually. Um and I always just like wanted to do comedy and I was really like funny and crazy growing up and I was a lot more like crazier than I am now but you know right. I'm like in You're my so 30s. chill. So I am chill now, but I was like very like wacky. Okay. Um, almost like the way that Jessica Michelle Singleton is. Okay. Like I was like really weird. She's so she's very animated. I was I I was like that in growing up, like in middle school and high school, like very crazy. Um, and like zany. Love it. And like truly did not give a fuck. Like did not give a fuck. And I'm just trying to get back to that place yeah. now. You know what I mean? That's probably just like a. like a confidence thing no I don't know well I think it's also like letting go about caring about other people's perception of you right and just being comfortable in your skin and it's been a journey for me on stage and that's all I'm trying to do is get back to that place I feel like if you knew how people's it's hard because like people look at you as mm -hmm. like this they put you I mean you, have you, you heard it. this what are people saying no because you no know, just like I, I get girls who are like oh my god you're in comedy i uh or yeah. if i'm at the store you look they at they're like i listen to chelsea's really? podcast like a girl that's not even in l it's just i've, I, someone I've, I've had to yeah like you are a part of the store you're a part of like, yeah people look at you as like a character in this you know and and they think you're f- funny and beautiful and talented and and i think use that to empower to not to let those fucks go because no i know it's easier said than done but it is um you know i think that comes with um you know time yeah of being on stage because i've been doing stand-up for six years okay so you know i'm th- that's not that long right you i know because i'm it, only two and a half and i'm like oh i hate even saying <laughs> yeah because like everybody you know i i'd really say like right now like i mean obviously every year like I get more comfortable and better and um, only like really in the past year have I felt like a major, major change um, with just like being comfortable on stage. And um, so, yeah. And like every, every set gets better and better right, right now. Um, so when you yeah. started doing improv, like did you notice how it affected your mood or how it made you feel or at least like what was that process for you like 
Like when you were like, cause you're saying you have anxiety. That's kind of like so scary for someone who has anxiety to want to get up on stage in front of a bunch of strangers and just tell your truth. Mm -hmm. Well, eight years ago when I started, I was in a very different place in my life than I am now. I think when I started the UCB, I had like 60 days sober and, um, I just was like, I didn't, it's like, you always think you know who you are, but like. You know, it's like when you're like, oh, I wish I was still 20. It's like, do you like I look back on who I was then and I was such an idiot and I didn't like I'm just like such a, you know, I'm just more myself now sort of. Thing. That's one thing you know that what I, I mean? like how you grow. In yeah, that. no, that's one thing I like feel from you is like you just like are like really comfortable you're becoming so undeniably uncomfortable like un- more comfortable with <laughs> yourself no, I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding I'm <laughs> no kidding. but like no. It, you exude this like i'm comfortable with who i am really and no it, it really comes across that way well i appreciate that because in high school one of my superlatives that i was nominated for was most true to herself and i didn't win it and i'm and i'm still pissed wow and also most likely to be on snl which i did not win oh and i couldn't believe the girl who won won it because i'm like really that what fu- is she doing now nothing she's a fucking loser <laughs> but in middle school i was class clown okay good i was Did voted you? most talkative really yeah. see so, so you know sense. yeah it makes sense um that's crazy so i didn't really answer your question basically like i was much more anxious back then so the reason i stopped ucb i did 101 201 301 at my 301 show i messed up something stupid in our show like we were doing like a batman robin thing and like i didn't know anything about superheroes and some fucking dude in my class like yelled at me after the show which is ridiculous so much and i let it affect me to the point of being like fuck him like i'm not going back there like i don't want to go back there which is like ridiculous because today i'd be like fuck that guy like i don't care but i was younger then i felt insecure and uncomfortable and i you know i think i was like 24 or something or uh, or like 23 right. whatever and um but then i moved to la and i started to do the groundlings okay and i did basic and intermediate and i took a bunch of other like little things and a teacher there um was rude to me and like shamed me in front of the class and she was like you think you're too cool for school and that really affected- why do they do that this has been happening to me my whole life but i also <laughs> hear that i mean yes mm-hmm. i think it's I think it's a common thing, especially among attractive women to, I mean, it happens to all women. It doesn't matter. What I've you had look a like. lot of female teachers do stuff like that. But especially me. if you are pretty, it puts a target on you almost. Mm-hmm. Well, I hear that also at Groundlings. Like that's something they do is they just like really? break you. Yeah. They like break you down. And that's like a common thing. Like they tell you who they think you are. I guess like what I can say the difference in how I've grown is that I'm in this acting school right now and um, it's a Meisner program. It's okay. two years. And um, being in this uh, class has completely changed how I am on stage. Really? That's the change that I've seen in the past year. And I'm finishing or I guess now more like a year and a half. I finished in July, the two year program. And um, and uh, a female teacher there. Um, in this like side like class that I was doing with people there um, she didn't like shame me but she like called me out and made me uncomfortable like where I almost cried really but she was trying to like break me down but like the thing is is that like that didn't scare me this time and that I was like I want to work with her and have her help me right and like that's like how I approach things now instead of letting it like debilitate you receive the information differently I don't let it um 
like ruin right what I want to do is I'm I have a stronger drive and I and I won't let someone's comment get in the way of nor my should you success of course sort of thing good and growth yeah nor should you because I think like that's also something us I mean I feel like dudes it's like someone says something to them they're like oh fuck off they have like mm-hmm. that armor yeah of, like that ego you know yeah and like women we just we take we're such emotional things, creatures yeah. that we take something in and then we dwell on it. And then we're like, how do we feel about it? Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm so sensitive and I overthink everything. And that's, I think, just normal as well as people who are, you know, like creators like us. You know, we tend to dwell on things. It's just in our nature. Yeah. Um, I think that also makes us better comics. Right. Mm. Because yeah. then it's like. Well, how do I feel about this? (laughs) What is my perspective on it? Yeah. How does, you know, so I think that oftentimes maybe our weaknesses in our real life are sometimes our strengths on stage. That's a very good point. Because like, I'm a very reactive person. Yeah. That's one of the best things I can have in comedy. That's why I'm so quick. Yeah. That's why I'm witty on stage and I can just like do the crowd work and feel comfortable and I'm very young in my career and I'm just like, all right, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like in my real life, I'll react and I'll <laughs> get myself into trouble sometimes. <laughs> totally. So, I'm the same exact, same exact way. And I think that part, that's the part of me that I'm start starting to learn is like not everything deserves a reaction because like mm-hmm. to get a reaction from me, that's like a, pri- not a privilege, but like not everything deserves a, a reaction from us. You know, and, and that's all that people want is they want a reaction, yeah, Even negative, positive or whatever. And like, I don't know, I think especially because we live in the Internet age and everything can be so triggering and everyone mm-hmm. has a fucking opinion, especially when it comes to our art and the shit that we put out. And yeah, not every like I think the power lies in kind of that moment of pause. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Pause is like a huge thing. Um, someone. Uh, a couple years taught me this and um, I put space between my thoughts feelings and actions love that so it's just like always pausing and also like another one that I love is like when you don't know what to say like don't say anything right you know if someone sends you like a weird text like you don't always have to respond right not responding is a response right if it's something negative or exactly not responding is a response and also coming back to it later because sometimes some especially online i'm sure you get this from you know like i'll get comments or whatever you know us putting our shit out there and my immediate reaction is to kind of be mean but (laughs) like i as i'm getting older i'm like okay but what if i responded positively what would their response be and sometimes changing my response if i'm going to react it ends up like this person ends up following me and be, being a fan. Like yesterday, I put up a picture of me with two giant bags of weed. And someone tweeted at me that it was white privilege, which. That doesn't even make sense to me. I said, I said, oh, I like responded back. I was like, um, you know, if you actually knew me and followed me, you would know that I do use my platform and my privilege to bring the injustices within the cannabis community because it is known that you know i'm over here smoking weed and there are people of color locked up in parts of the country while the rest of the country is smoking so like and it is hypocritical on a certain level for that to happen and so i do try to bring light to like yeah while we're smoking weed and here in california people are there's lives being still ruined over it so i i pointed it out i was like yo if you actually knew 
you know, whatever. And I showed the receipts with links to posts of like me pointing out the injustices. Yeah. And they came back and apologized, not apologize, but they were like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for doing this. So, I mean, I could have just told this person to suck my dick, fuck off and whatever. And then someone probably would have screenshot that and called me a racist. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that was like the best outcome you could have had from that. Some people I just fucking block Mm. or I just don't respond or I delete their comment if I can, if it's on Instagram. Yeah. I didn't even like know that that like that was an option. Oh, you, you can and delete then, the like, comment? And then, like, Steven was like, yeah, Joe Dosh told me he just deletes stuff he doesn't like on, on like, his Instagram or Facebook. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. a good point. I do it, too. I mean, I just, I don't, I'll it's block like, people. Yeah, I, that's I, my I page. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, don't bring your negativity, um, like, don't bring your negativity. <laughs> it's just, like, there's so much, we're surrounded by so much negative that it's, like, I feel like I constantly have to, like, put up this, like, shield of positivity mm-hmm. around me, especially even the people I surround myself with here i'm sure you know you obviously are the same you you keep the people that are you know good for you close to you and i love your nail color sorry no it's a butter nails on sunset um when things get tough like what do you do to take care of yourself so every day i try to um i got a a gratitude journal i hate the word journal um (laughs) to uh write in at night i used to make lists in the morning and like send them with people in aa but um i got like a little book to do it at night before bed oh i never thought and i love it um so that's something i do i try to meditate or listen to like a hypnosis meditation um and um working out and uh going to um an aa meeting or like my self care. Those are those are basic things. That's that, your support system, I guess. Yeah. So those like are, when something happens, these are the things that you can go to that you know will su- take care of or at least provide relief. Yeah. Those are like the spiritual and physical and mental things that I have to do. But like other than that, like um, I'd love to say like getting my nails done and like other beauty stuff is self care. But to be honest, at that point, that's just maintenance. Honestly, it is defined under self-care, though. Like, I was reading... Really? uh, Well, I mean, self-care is what you make it. Yeah. So, for me, when I get my nails done, I know it's stupid for us women, but it does make me feel better. Totally. That's true. And I think that, especially when we're feeling down, anything, I will literally be willing to do anything to make bring some kind of joy Mm -hmm. to my life. And sometimes that does mean going to the salon and just sitting there and having someone rub my feet and like give me a manicure and a pedicure. And if that's what I did that day to make me feel better, perfect. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that that under, like that's something when people get into those moments and they're feeling hopeless and they're like, what, what do I do in therapy? I learned like you, you almost have like a toolbox of things when like, something happens whether it be like coloring books or puzzles or a joint or you know whatever works for you um because we're not taught those skills in how like emotional regulation Mm -hmm. growing like i didn't i'm not we weren't taught like the healthy ways to react to things which i think is so crazy to me yeah and um especially for me because i'm i'm doing this medication free which is a personal choice that I made years ago because like you, I just, I didn't have good experiences on a lot of those medications Mm -hmm. and I just didn't want to pay for it to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I'm very pro therapy. Yeah. I just came from therapy. 
and you find it's it's talk therapy right mm-hmm. um you find it's helpful obviously yeah it is um sometimes i don't have things to talk about so i like lately i've been doing like an appointment every three weeks and then i'll just like write things in my phone that i want to talk about because sometimes i find that going to therapy every week unless i'm really working through something is just like too much for I me agree. I don't like to like sit around and talk about my problems too much. I really like to just brush things aside and like just get to work. A big self-care thing that I've realized that I also love is sometimes it's literally just taking the night off Mm -hmm. or stopping working and laying in bed and watching a movie. I get so much out of doing that. Yeah. No, I mean. Because I don't chill ever. No, I think I'm very hard. I'm very much like sleep is very important and chilling is like super important, especially like as comics. Like, I mean, when you're like for me, I'm a baby comic. Like everyone around me is like hustle, hustle, hustle. At least the good ones, the ones that are Mm going to be successful, like five mics a night, what shows every night. And I'm so about that life. And I am like always at a show where at least I try to get to a couple mics a night but I also am cool with like I take three days off and I'll just that's amazing take and I'm cool with that and I don't feel like I'm anywhere far behind because I know that I need to recharge otherwise I'm not going to be a good comic I'm not going to be a good writer Mm -hmm. so it feels so good to like just get take that rest it's so hard to but then sometimes it's just it just makes all the difference and it's like it just feels so good and like I fucking love face masks too (laughs) Yes. Also, uh, and any, a positive self care. I love beauty products. Regiment. Um, have you used any of the CBD stuff? As beauty, pro- well, I have the Lord Jones um, okay, lotion. Uh, but they're coming out. I'm going to get you linked with um, a, a couple of my friends. They have like CBD. Like, there's some CBD product beauty products coming out. Sarah, oh. Sarah likes the serum. My friend, uh, really, she does. Um, That's crazy. I'm blanking on my friend Krista Whitley's company. But she does a CBD serum that Sarah's obsessed with. Really? Yeah. I think what I really want is gummies. I think you would like them. I've. My mom loves them. I think that's what I want. My mom loves the gummies. <laughs> like when I, uh, I went to the dispensary with my mom for the first time, which was like so huge for me. Because growing up, when I was like smoking weed in college, she said I was self-medicating. And like looked at me as a drug addict. And now I like made her buy my. <laughs> is she sober? Uh, my mom doesn't drink, but like only because she doesn't like it. She doesn't mm-hmm. like how it makes her feel. She's never had a substance abuse problem. Um, quite the opposite. But that's big for a mom to say that's self-medicating. Well, my mom was, uh, my mom and dad were criminal defense attorneys. And oh. then my mom became a judge. And at the time she was a mental health court judge in Las Vegas and started one of the first mental health courts that no longer exists because there's no funding, Oh, you know, because that's cool America. But, um, so, you know, she looked at me (laughs) like I, you know, I, I, um, that was how she saw me because when she was going to, to work every day, she was dealing with people who probably used hardcore, hardcore drugs and weed, especially in Vegas, a lot of meth addicts, right? So, so much meth addicts, prostitution. I mean, it's, it's a weird city. Uh-huh. To kind of like grow up in. And yeah. I, I got to get you on my podcast. Yeah, Tell me all about it's that. It's insane. But I don't know how anyone could survive Las Vegas growing up there without mental issues on yeah. some level. Um, but yeah, I uh, I don't know. I just feel like. I don't know. I, I forgot what we were. Again, here's my blanking. But like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that because 
they they were so that was their profession that they just were kind of a little overprotective i guess mm-hmm. um which is probably why i rebelled and you know whatever but that makes so much sense so would you say that when you went through that experience three years ago that that was probably one of the lowest moments of your life to date um no it was one it was horrible to be in a psych ward like fucking horrible I hated it, but it's not one of my, it's an, it's one of my lowest, but I had a very crazy life. Yeah. Um, you know, like I was a crazy party girl. I used to be a stripper. Yeah. Um, that's, <laughs> I never would have thought that. Really? No. Yeah. It's funny. Cause like my manager says the same thing. Cause like, we'll talk about my set and she'd be like, I feel like, um, like the audience is confused when you start talking about that you were a stripper and a drug addict. Like, I feel like you need to put something before that, that explains that like more because I don't look at you and see someone who was like that. And it's so funny. Cause it's like, yeah, I don't, you know, but I also <laughs> think like that is just, that's just an image made mm-hmm. up in my own mind. Just like, but now other- that I think about it, like I was a stripper when I was 20 to 23. So that was like, you know, 12, 12, 10, 10 to 12 years ago. Right. Well, what, I mean, what was that experience like? So, I mean, I, okay. So I'll just say this. I started drinking when I was 10 years old. Oh, wow. And I always like, I was a blackout like drinker from the beginning. I never drank like a normal person. Um, It was really just the progression of my drinking and drug use and partying that kind of led to that. Um, I was uh, living in Hawaii at the time going to college and where in Hawaii um, on Oahu and Honolulu. Oh, wow. Aloha. (laughs) And (laughs) I can see you in Hawaii. Yeah. I I was there for three years, um, but I was ready to leave after the first, but I was in a really, um, I was in a relationship with this guy who um, was like my first real boyfriend. I didn't really have a boyfriend until I was 18. Okay. Like I kind of like, those aren't real boyfriends, I feel I, like. I you didn't. Know? Like, he was, like, my real first boyfriend. Um, and uh, he was an alcoholic and, um, we think, bipolar. Uh, and he was just crazy. And we had a very Sid and Nancy-like relationship. Like, all we did was, like, fight and fuck. And, um, you know, and it was an abusive relationship. He was very verbally abusive to mm. me. He would make me cry, like, every single day and would just drink, like... 20 beers a day and like be like a piece of shit and um man there's it makes me think like why did we date so i, I know like, what happened how do okay we, so how does this happen my marriage this is the first normal relationship i've ever been you in you guys are an adorable couple thank I you i mean you guys are you guys aren't the couple you guys don't make me sick like looking at <laughs> maybe you. because it's funny like yeah. you guys put a humor on it and it's, yeah if i were to be married i would want it to be fun and funny yeah. like that not cheesy and like whatever yeah um, but yeah, I mean, he seems, I mean, he seems obviously amazing and wonderful. That's why you married him. But dude, that's, you went, you went through a lot of frogs. Yes, I did. And, um, anyway, so I like, wasn't really getting attention from that guy. Um, and I like was, you know, kind of just like someone who liked doing crazy stuff. And I met this girl who I went to college with 
who was like really really pretty she was like really cool seeming she had like really nice clothes she had like a really nice car and I was like what's her secret and she told me she was a stripper and I was like I want to do that like I want to try that and uh, I ended up doing it for three years and did you enjoy it you make so much fucking money yeah the first night i made eight hundred dollars i was just 20 were you full fully nude the place i worked at in hawaii was fully nude and then i when i moved back home um to new york um and continued stripping there um it's not fully nude there it's just no it's just down to a thong but you're topless um so in hawaii like you didn't have to be fully nude but i was so drunk that i was like fuck it i'll be fully nude like because it's like at one point it's just like just fucking take your underwear off too yeah i mean which is so crazy because like i do i guess i am such a different person because like i would never imagine like doing that now now um but that's crazy because it was crazy you had you should never feel you know what you know what's a crazy story and i don't fucking care about telling it um so tell it so when i worked at that strip club in hawaii i was very very naive okay and um there was like this crazy girl there who was like also a prostitute and but i didn't really know that she was and like i was so naive to that kind of stuff and she was like these guys want to have us over at their hotel after for like an after party and they're gonna like throw us like a thousand bucks each like just to hang out and like drink and i was like okay so I went and like I um, it was like this nice hotel room and there was like three guys there and the one girl disappeared with two guys. And then I was like, oh, my God, she's having sex with them. And there was like this other guy who was just drinking champagne and we were doing coke. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was like so naive. And I think he must have like now that I'm like now that I can think about it in a different way, he was probably like, oh, she's like naive. That's attractive. Like she's just like a young girl. She doesn't know what she's doing. Like I'm just going to build this relationship. And then he goes, and then he's like, we don't have to do anything. We just sit here and drink, you know, I'll pay you like for hanging out with us. And I was like, okay. And then he goes, and um, if you want, I'll take you shopping tomorrow. I just realized this and I don't really ever talk about this, but this, he bought me this fucking oh bag. Oh my God. And, and I'm holding a, up a Chanel it's a bag. Chanel it's bag. so nice. I love this bag. Um, but he got, <laughs> dude, I love it, dude. He got me this. So the next day he, it, and it's like, you know, when you're high on Coke and you're like, this person's like just saying this. Yeah. But then the next morning he texted me and he was like, meet me um in front of my hotel and we'll go walking around a Waikiki and I'll take you shopping and I was like okay fine so he goes where do you want to go um and he goes do you want to get a purse he goes what do you like do you like coach I go I like Chanel like I don't fucking like coach I hate coach I'm kind of insulted he said coach I I think he just was like feeling he doesn't know he thought I was like a tacky stripper and I was like no 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 so he's like okay he took me there he bought me this purse and he bought me like a wallet there he bought me a pair of YSL heels and then um, and then like that was it. And then I swear to God and no one ever believes me when I say this. I swear to God that was it. Yeah. And like he like didn't ask me to come up to his room. He didn't ask me to do anything. You just said goodbye. You just said and thank he goes you. and he was like, all right, have a great day. Like he just wanted to. I mean, buy I me thousand stuff. percent believe you because I was watching this clip on Vice about sugar babies and yeah. they were interviewing this girl who she's like i'm on this site seeking arrangements or whatever and yes there are some agreements where you will have that kind of relationship but i put i'm platonic and for networking and (laughs) there's something about she there's something about 
that the, the, the men get something from by being able to provide for a, a lot a of girl. people get off on that kind of yeah. stuff. Like I had a strip club customer who in New York who wanted to buy me a pair of Louboutins that you know what I mean? Yeah. And they just get off on like spending I mean, money I, on people. I love I growing up in Vegas, I love strip clubs. I mean, I love <laughs> se- I think sex work should be legal uh-huh. and I I su- I support it and I think it's very es- empowering for mm-hmm. women. I think people look at it the wrong way, but I think there's nothing more beautiful than you know a woman who uses her I mean who uses her body I think it's an art you know at the time like I really like did not see anything wrong with the stuff I was doing I was like 20 and having so much fun and like I would like go and like work at a strip club and like come home with garbage bags filled of money what was the most you made in one night um I can't remember maybe a couple thousand And I would, but I was very, very generous. Like I would pay for everything for all of my friends and like, you know, I, I, I would buy all of the beer. I would buy all of the, you know, I'd get us, I would pay for everything all the time. I was so, you know, like it was fun. Right. It wasn't like, you didn't have like a horrible experience with it. There was, you know, like uh, there's some weird nights and weird customers. I feel like that's to be expected in that situation totally i mean it got dark well yeah (laughs) i mean anyways like i'll look back on that shit now and be like that felt like another lifetime yeah like that truly felt like another life another person you know how did you what made you get out of stripping um i was dating a guy who was like i don't want to date a stripper i really like you but i don't want to date a stripper and then i was like okay i'll just stop and then i just stopped i got a job working um do you know who gavin mckinnis is yeah the now he's like that alt guy i mean not alt. what's it called uh right what's that uh alt right yeah okay so now he's that guy but he wasn't that guy before he was the um co-founder of vice magazine right and um after vice he had another website called street boners and tv carnage and uh and a production company called Rooster. And okay. I really liked him. He used to write like the do's and don'ts in Vice where you make take pictures of people's clothing and write like little captions. Right. So I really wanted to work for him because way the person that he is now was Wasn't not who, who he was. Then he was like a hipster magazine guy. Okay. Um, nothing to do with like politics or anything. Right. Um so I worked for him after I stopped stripping. Okay. And in New um, York? Yeah, and I worked at their production company, and I was, like, a production coordinator at their production office. I took, like, pictures for him for that website. I wrote some articles and stuff. So I started doing that stuff, and then that's when I got into UCB after that. And then... UCB New York? Yeah. You you didn't do UCB out here? No, in New York. Amazing. Yeah. What a life. (laughs) It does seem like you've lived, like, nine lives. I truly have. I mean, I lived in Japan when I was younger, when I was five for a year. I went to boarding school in Switzerland when I was 15. Shit. For like... Like a Harry Potter one, like a fun one? Yeah, it was very fun because um, I got caught doing coke at school. My parents didn't know what to do with me. You know, lived they in Hawaii, no. New York, here. So, you know, had of, you know, hung out with all types of like, you know, crazy people, been in weird situations. I don't know. What's crazier, the strip club or the comedy store? Um, 
I don't know. It's kind of like uh, the first thing that just came to my mind are like strip clubs are corny. Right. And I hate that word corny, but like they are, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Comedy store isn't crazy though. Not like crazy, but I mean like as far as like your typical, like, you know, you'll walk in here and you'll run into a celebrity or you'll uh-huh. just like have like these magical moments of like, is this real life? Or like you're, sur- you're looking around and like Dave Chappelle's there, like yeah. all the great, you know, and you're just like, that stuff doesn't phase me. Like when I was 12, I started doing extra work yeah. in New York. So, and I, you know, hung out, used to hang out with like, yeah, no homo, like a lot of <laughs> no homo. I used to hang out and party with like a lot of famous people right. from like a young age and i feel like that's how i'm kind of unfazed too because growing up in vegas uh-huh. and just like i don't know just like being exposed to all that kind of stuff you grow up kind of fast and that kind mm-hmm. of like if i was from like the midwest i might feel differently right. but i don't really give a fuck you yeah. know what i mean i don't know which is like good yeah for sure yeah so uh anything upcoming you want to promote or, or promote the podcast and tell people where they can find you um, you can find me on social media, obviously Instagram, Chelsea Skidmore. My podcast is called the Chelsea Skidmore show. Um, you know, I perform almost every night in LA. Uh, so you can just like, I guess, head to my Instagram for yeah. those kind of updates. Um, I'm, I'm, I stand Chelsea Skidmore. Like I'm a <laughs> fan. I, uh, I think you're badass, and I love, I, I really like, like you and Sarah. I think you guys are just dope chicks we all have to hang out together yeah we're gonna start we're gonna start like the psycho squad or something yes, just yes. like the 5150s <laughs> <laughs> instead of the b52s it's the b5150s <laughs> um yeah so this has been another episode of chronic relief as always follow me at wolfie comedy at wolfie memes and thank you to our sponsor top tree and see you next time bye see you next tuesday that was dope